Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Stock Market Show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to the Australian Stock Market Show. Tonight we'll answer your most burning questions around trading and investing and we'll get into the charts and explore the stocks that you have asked us to take a look at. Of course, we'll have another great topic for you tonight, which is top five dividend stocks for 2021. They may not be what you think. Hello, I'm Janine Cox and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hey. How are you? I'm fantastic. Hey, you know, know, on the weekend, Mm -hmm. I stayed at home on the weekend Mm-hmm. And I was cleaning out my garage and everything else. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I needed to find something that was in a drawer. And we had this floating thing with the TV above it with three drawers. And I opened the drawer and guess what I found? What's that? Two Santa hats. You know how you hounded me to find my Santa hats and I couldn't find Why them? Why is this relevant now? It's 2021, well, because, did you realise? Well, I know, but I only found them two days ago. So if you don't have them at the end of the year, you know who's going to be hopping mad, don't you? No, but I'm telling you, I'm leaving them there with the candles. Okay. So, I don't think your wife will be happy about you leaving them in that spot. Well, at least you'll know where they are when you want to get them again. Okay. But there were two there, not just one. I couldn't find them. But anyway, I'm fine other than that. So our whole um, pre-show conversation is about that. Well, you were so distraught that I couldn't find my Santa hats and wear them on the show. So, okay. And everybody watching knows that, that you are saying, where's your Santa So were you excited about the market this week? Yes. You were? I was. Actually, it was mm. interesting because, you know, like uh, last week I was saying I thought the market would go down. I oh, sorry, mm. before last week. I said I thought last week would be down week. And it wasn't. Well, it was a down week. It started going down on Monday and it went back up again. But that's not a down week. But that's not necessarily a down week. And, and, you know, it's interesting how people take information. You know, mm. even though we say to people, you know, don't take tips. Don't do Make sure you do your research. Know what you're doing. No one would have traded on you saying that, surely. Yeah. No. Yeah. Look, you guys out there, whichever... Um, mm-hmm. A station that you're tuning into, the Dale station, it say, he says to you all the time, do your mm. own research. Mm. Check whatever you're going to do before you trade it. Do not take tips off people. And we talked about that on game our discussion last week, didn't we? We did. Yeah, mm. We did. But anyway, well, I need to move into the show anyway, but let's go. But uh, first, thank you for all of those who have actually sent in emails. We did get a pri- couple of private ones. Now, remember, this is your show, show. So if you do have a burning question for us, don't just sit there. Please take the bullet by the horns or whatever you call it. Bull. Take bull. That's it. <laughs> take action and send us an email or better still upload a 30 second video of your I'd love to see your good-looking dials on our show and just upload them to Dropbox and send us the link. Now, remember to send all your questions to info at wealthwithin.com.au and type Wealth Within Live in the subject line now. As always, we give preference to those of you who are supporting the show and supporting what Janine and I are doing. So join in on the conversation. Make sure you hit the subscribe button right now to support the show and send your emails in. Moving on, it is the second Tuesday in the month, and this means we get to look at the sectors. Yay! And the Australia, on the Australian market, of course, not the US market. Let's get right into the charts now, shall we? Oh, fantastic. I get right. excited about sectors. That's good. I love this part. You love charts. Okay, so we're looking at the um, ASX, oh, S&P ASX, I can't leave the S&P out, ASX 200 uh, sectors. So we're looking at the top now. Now, someone asked us last week, why don't we have the, the real estate sector on there? Which is a good question, isn't it? Yeah, you can enter it. <laughs> because it forms part of the financials. So, Correct. Um, but it's we a subsector could, within the financials. Yeah, we could have it on there. I mean, we don't want to be too tough on that, do we? Yeah. All right. So information technology is leading the board at the moment still. 
5.8%, which is pretty impressive. Financials up 5.2. Happy about that. Mm. Consumer discretionary up 4.8. Consumer service or communication, get it right, Janine, 4.5%. Materials, 3.5%. Energy up 2.8. That's looking good as well. Industrials up 2%. I like it when we see the industrials moving in the right direction. And the healthcare sector up 1%. Consumer staples, 0.39. So this is where we're at so far for the month. Can we have and a quick it's only look early at, days. Yeah, can we have a quick look at the year, which is from 1 January? Are we yeah, allowed to do that? Just because obviously it's only, you know, we're talking about a week into the month at the moment. So that gives you a better idea. But consumer discretion, financials and communications flying there, isn't it? Yeah, hasn't that changed things? Big start to the year so, where utilities and industrials are down. Yeah, so Infotech, most of the gains were made in January mm. for Infotech, as you yes, can see, because that's up 6.2%. And consumer discretionary is right at the top there, 9.7%. Now, you wanted to financial. look at that sector, didn't you, the charts of that sector? Yeah, was but like one of the things that's interesting, you know how we always talk about the market, mm -hmm. if it's up at the start of the week, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be up at the end of the week. Mm. When we're looking at the sectors, we could mm. make the same sort of conclusion. So mm. the, the sectors that are up at the top of the leaders board at the moment may not be up at the top of the leaders board at the end of the year. That's going to be the interesting thing to keep watching. So perhaps we could do a show and have a look at what's happened in previous years and see how yeah. things unfold and whether there's any pattern with particular sectors on I the I think market. we can do that. We can mm. just show them what it is. So you wanted to look at a chart of one of them? Yeah, which... look, I mean, look, I guess you could um, toss and turn over which one's going to be more important. But the first one that's on our list there is consumer staples is an interesting one mm. because we're talking about the big companies, particularly I'm interested in Woolies and Coles and how they're performing at the moment because yeah. they have been in a price war. So if you want to have, you're going to bring up the chart for no, us. No, I'm just looking at the, how they are for this week. So this is everybody, everything in the consumer staples at this point in time yeah. in that sector. So we're seeing the top producers there. So what we're looking at there are the lower liquidity type shares. They're most of the lower liquidity type shares. And obviously this is the other end. So this is the yep. worst performing ones so far this week. And it is only a week. So Yeah. And the, and the interesting thing about that is that mm. you could look at it one week, especially with those low liquidity stocks, mm. and then look at it another week. And it's completely different because they can move really quickly. Mm. You know, 5 10 15% sometimes is not out of the question even more for some mm. of those types of shares. And then they go the other way just as quick. But there's some mm. good stocks within this sector that you're saying could be giving us some opportunities. Look, there are always good stocks in this sector. So it's something that you've got to keep an eye on. And not necessarily just Woolies and Coles. They're two good ones. Yep. But at the moment, because of that price war, it doesn't mm. necessarily... If you if you look at the past, they don't necessarily create growth by having a price war. Okay, cool. So it's not, that's always a question mark for those um, companies when they get involved in that type of, um, I guess, seesaw. Okay, fantastic. So that's it for our sectors for this uh, week, or sorry, this month. Actually, we do the sectors of the month, but we will go and look at the sectors and what Janine was talking about, go and do some research and look at sectors' performance at the start of the year, towards the end of the year. But now we're going to get into our first email question. And, and we have one. Are oh, you giving me a tough name again? I'm going to say this. Apova. Um, Apova Savai. Now, last week, somebody gave me a compliment, so I said their name right. So I've, hopefully I've said you're right. Um, um, Apova says, hello, wanted your opinion on ASX code PRN. The company is doing well. However, the stock prices is not able to break the barrier beyond a certain level. Are you able to give your technical analysis? Further, top 20% hold 89%. Is that good or bad? I think what he means here, the top... 20% um, of shareholders own 89% of the stock. Now, that's not necessarily a good thing, but it can make the stock um, a little bit more scarce, if that makes sense, if the top, uh, a small percentage of players actually own the largest percentage of stocks and they're not trading them actively. Trading them can give you scarcity um, and, we, and it can make the pool of people trying to get that last 20% of the stock or trade that last 20% of the stock, they're scrambling and pushing prices higher. But... What are you thinking on the actual stock price at the moment? It looks okay at the moment. Mm. The, where it's positioned is a really important level for it, which mm. is why it's been going sideways like it has. So if we get a move above at least $1.50, uh, strong move, 
That could be really nice for this share. Could just keep pushing higher. Yeah, it does look right. It's holding up quite nicely. It's struggling to get through that sort of dollar fifty sort of area. But is this because that big end, the, the people that the major shareholders are not wanting it to push up higher? Well, I don't think I'd care too much about mm. that. I mean, looking at the volume, it is all over the place. If you look mm. at the history of it, that's something mm. that's interesting. And it's so dropped really down low. All we stand here. Yeah, there's a lot of volume there. Obviously, with the selling that came through, and it's dropped down. It's actually below. What, probably is um, an average for volume, but I guess, where would you be worried about this share? I'd be worried if it fall below the low of last week, that mm. big blue bar last week. So if it fell below this, then I'd be looking at exiting this stock because it would probably come right down to around a dollar or even further. Mm. That's what okay. I'd be looking at. So there's some positives and negatives about having a major, a small portion of shareholders that own a major point, but it's not a bad, bad thing. Mm. Okay. It just means the liquidity yeah. issues can occur. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's all for that one. All right, so the next one we've got is from Neil. Hi, Dale and Jenny. I've got a who's, new name. Who's Jenny? I've looked at the closing single price action, CP, CSPA from 4 to 4.12 for many mid to large cap stocks. Good study. Mm. They usually have quite stable trading volume for this period of time. For example, always 1 million or half a million shares exchanged at a fixed price. Occasionally the volume may go higher when on the next day and the stock price may make a big move either higher or lower significantly. I mean, does the CSPA volume and price mean anything? If the volume for that time is stable, does it mean there are institutions keep buying or selling and is it a good sign or bad sign? Um, look, thanks so much, Neil. Is it something you've studied? I haven't really studied in great detail um, the no. actual volumes going through at the close. No, but did you want to sort of explain what's actually going on there? Yeah, so there's actually, a, it's, it's almost like a bit of an auction mm. really, isn't it? Yeah. Because people are putting their bids in to the end of the market to um, to get their stock sold or purchased if they want to buy. And so with all those bids going in, it's a match off and it's a, weight, it's a weighted match off mm. um, for the stocks that are, or the, the um stock holdings that are sitting there ready to be traded. So that's what you see. And I guess from my point of view, unless it's a really, it's less, unless the stock's a little bit illiquid, yeah. I don't think it really means I anything don't think at it all. Really means because there's mm. also a bit of the match up with institutions maybe that wanting to buy or sell a stock that haven't got all their trade on that day. Well, we trade in that period ourselves. Mm, you know, we do it it's all good the time. to be able to do that as an, at, at an institutional level mm. as part of the direct equity managed account service when we're trading for clients. Because mm. often what happens is that the, the people who are in the know are trading towards the close. So we might be waiting to see what the market does or the stock does at the end of the day. And that just allows us to place the trade. Okay, mm. well, that's it for that question. But a really good question. And it shows you are thinking about the market and what's going on but probably you probably don't need to do as much research on it. it doesn't mean as much for retail traders but the next question or this next question we have is from David nice easy name for me thank you very much hello can I have your technical analysis opinion on a chart for beta shares geared US equity fund or GGUS um, please thank you GGUS yeah, look, I, I get really excited about beta mm -hmm. shares when I see them mm -hmm. um, with with different um, ETFs and to be building some of these up. And this one is a hedged fund, obviously, but it looks really good at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I, I quite like it. Now, the challenge is that last week was such a huge move, wasn't it? Initial fall and then a pushback up, like you said. Mm -hmm. So... Um, now it's geared one, so you might want to mention something about that and the risks associated with geared type arrangements. Well, you're looking at whether it's, it's if it's geared, what's it trying to do? Is it trying mm. to outperform what it's the, the, the actual index that it's talking about? So is it gearing from a point of view of what's, normally you'd go for an index fund, there'll be a beta of one. If the index goes up one, then the, the ETF goes up one. But is that trying to be a multiple of that? I don't know this one. I've never read that prospectus on it. Well, that's or where it's important for an investor up. to really understand it. And if you don't mm. understand what they're doing, then you just don't invest in it. Because gearing costs. There's mm. a cost to gearing. There's a borrowing cost, all sorts of other stuff within there. And they'll wrap it within that fund so it's not you actually paying for it. But in essence, the, the investors are paying for it somewhere. But look, I would just is, think looking at the chart, mm. the fact that it's it gapped up like that, it does look good, but it's gapped up before mm. and kept going. You'll notice back here when it did that, mm. uh, this was back in, what is it? Can you see Back that? in October, November 2020, yeah, yeah. Same sort of thing unfolded, a bit of a sideways move mm. and then a push up. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to do the same thing this time because the risk is that it could come back to trade within that range. But okay. Yeah, but at the moment, it looks nice, It looks all right. It? Okay, so that's it for that, um, all that stock. And yep. the next and question. And now we've got a question from Richard. 
Now, he says, hi, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are about ABB, Aussie Broadband. I've just discovered your channel and become a big fan. Well, thanks very much for that vote of confidence. Now, let's have a look at this one. Um, Aussie Broadband, of course, hasn't got much data there on the chart. So you can see on the monthly chart, because it's um, not long been on the market, we've got this five months, really nothing to go by from a technical perspective. So this is where um, we don't trade stocks if they don't have a significant amount of data to be able to form an opinion on what the stock's likely to do in future based on its history. So you can't even really tell what the personality of this share is going to be like, really. Mm. Um, it's, it's going to be such a simple theory, like either it trades below the last week's bar and you're out. Which is what I've got my point on, yep. got 232. Or it actually closes back up strongly above approximately 265 and then it's more likely to keep moving up. I mean, that's just as simple as it's going to get at the moment. Well, I mean, this one this one obviously listed on our exchange back in October. Now, 50-50, it's going to trade below its float price. That's yeah, what happens. Yeah, it's been with quite floats, strong. But it's been quite which strong. Is good. So it's good. But it's, the 12 months is not up yet. So we say that within 12 months that can happen. Hmm. So we just need to see whether it's got sufficient buyer support to maintain it above that low of about 230 approximately. So what you're saying is don't necessarily rely wholly and solely on the technicals. You're looking at, be looking at what are the announcements, what are the fundamentals, what are their reports. There's reporting season right now. Look, I so think look that's at their first true report. to a degree. However, I just think mm. people often say, well, look, you know, if I, if I try to use the technicals and there's no history, that means that, you know, I'm just really holding it, my finger in the wind and I've, there's no wind blowing. I'm just guessing, basically. Mm. And, and you are to a degree because there is no history. So it's like when a lot of companies do float, What, how confident can you really be in what you're being told? Mm. So well, what, given the data that says, but look, I would say, it's just look at it as simply, I would look at it as simply as that if I yep. was holding okay. that share. Fantastic. Mm. So you pick something else to look at, basically. I would. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks very much for you, for that anyway. But the next question we do have is, we have a request from Michael who says, Hi, guys. I bought Whitehaven coal at $1.04 and had a reason to believe that if history repeated itself, this stock could possibly hit $3 plus. Not speculating nor confirming, Dale, just my opinion. Um, my intentions was to hold short to medium term, let profits run and cut losses short. Where have I heard that before? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Is Whitehaven Coal on a downtrend or is it consolidating to move back up again? Um, thank you. Regards, Michael. Can I say something to Michael without being rude to him? I don't know. It depends what you're going to say. Well, he should have been asking that question before he bought, not afterwards. And you're either speculating or you know what you're doing, trading on confirmation or you're speculating There's one or two. Well, so, he's probably speculating, but he's probably thinking, well, I think it's on a trend, but I don't know. But it's a guess. And I want Dale to tell me. And he wants Dale to tell him. So I'm trying to be rude, but you know what I mean? Mm. It's like you should have asked that question before and knowing if you bought in at, what you say, $3.04, correct? That's what he bought in at? Yep. So he bought in somewhere up around here, probably. In now, that, of course, it was in a downtrend at the time. And at that point, it was definitely in a downtrend. So that was the, to me, if you'd asked me the question, is it a downtrend, uptrend at that point, I would have said, it's definitely in a downtrend, don't get into it. So, And what he wouldn't know, because mm. if, if you studied yeah. um, with us, then you would know that that was actually a really critical level for the stock at the time. Yeah. And it really needed to jump above the, that um, to start pushing on and prove to you mm. that it was actually going up when it hadn't proven that. Hmm. So he's saying short to medium term. I mean, that was November 2019. So he's had it more sort mm. of a long term. He's, he's you know, obviously um, didn't have all the rules that he possibly might have right now. And we're looking at it's fallen a huge percentage down, you know, roughly 70 odd percent there. Mm. So therefore, you know, we would have said you know, just somebody reading my book, you know, accelerate your wealth that they could have had a stop loss on it. So there's two things there. Now, yeah. obviously, you're still holding the stock. So right now, I think the stock looks good. Uh, I'm not sure what your thoughts are, but I think it looks good. It's just got a little bit of weakness the last few weeks. And I think there's probably, is it in a now in an uptrend? And I think what he's saying is now, because I've got in too early, um, is now, is should I still be holding all this or is there more downside? And I think, I think if we start seeing some green bars we're going to move up over the next few weeks, I think he's right. I think it will slowly move back up to where he bought it from. If, yeah. So yeah. that's the question, isn't it? So mm. I don't like it. I mean, I didn't think it looked good when it was coming up here, mm. nice and strongly off that bottom. So short term, I thought it looked really good. 
And like you say, mm -hmm. it just was going sideways and dropped out of that. So that's not a great sign to see it drop out of that sideways move rather than continuing the trend. Yep. Because it is in an uptrend at the moment from the, you know, the, yeah. there. But if, if, for example, the stock started moving up above 170, it's really strongly next month, then I'd be interested You'd be excited in it. about it. So not excited. Okay. Because there's always a risk when a stock's been trending down for such long term that it can then turn around and keep going down. Correct. And is, there's opportunity cost there in holding for But that's for the so minimum long. it would need to do for me right now, given the liquidity okay. and the volatility. So there's something for Michael mm. um, to think about what he should be doing All with right. uh, how, what we think the Michael is. So that's it for Whitehaven Coal. Next email we have is from Sahib. Uh, hi, Dale and Janine. Love your show. Thanks for doing what you do. I just had a question about Origin Energy. ORG is the code and I purchased it at 5.24 at the end of November 2020 and since then it's been quite volatile and has recently dropped heavily following the results. I'm currently in a loss of 13%. I'm close to my stop of 15. What's your opinion on the stock, medium to long term? Oh, Thanks. Very Sophie. good. Very nicely written. Very nicely written. Very, very good question. Yeah. So at the moment, it doesn't look great. Okay. Thumbs down. At the moment, yes. Thumbs down. Not looking good. Just stick yeah. to your stop loss. I think that's I what think I would say. I think that's all you can do, really. Yeah. I mean, if it closed up at the end of this week strongly, there's a chance that it might start to recover, but that would be the thing that you would be looking for. And then you'd have to just watch it on a week-by-week -week basis to see yeah. that it was going to turn back up. I mean, it, it looked all right through here, but it couldn't get back through that. That's a sign of well, weakness Well, it's early days there, in February but, yeah. yet, right? But mm. if look at the monthly chart. So yeah. at the moment, it's pushing that right down on the bottom of that monthly bar yeah. and if it keeps pushing down towards the end of the month then it's more likely to fall than rise but yeah. I'd just be watching it you know Stay with watch your stop, stop and watch it at the end of the week as well yeah I think my thing mm. is is and I know taking a loss on a stock is 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 quite hard especially if it's the first one so you really do need to stick to your stop losses because it's not about whether you whether or you feel whether you're wrong or you made a mistake getting into it it's just protecting the capital that you have and if you get out and it goes up three weeks later well then that's what it is but what you do is if it keeps going down it'll make you feel better because you're already out of it and then you can be in a stock that's going up i don't know what you'd probably prefer is being a stock going up mm. okay so that's All my right. thought on that one so that's it for um, this stock origin all right, before we get into the topic, we hope that you're enjoying the show so far. We've got lots more to come. And before we get into that, now's the perfect time to make sure you hit that subscribe button and also like the video. Remember, those who email in a video question during the month of February, you'll go into a draw to win a signed copy of Dale's book, Accelerate Your Wealth, and we'll announce the winner at the end of February. Remember, you must email in a video question, so fire up your camera and get talking. Now, we didn't get any videos this I week. I am so disappointed. So nobody wants your autograph. Nobody wants my book. <laughs> people no. want your book. Oh, they want my book. Yeah, well, they do. I don't know how many emails I've had in the last month of people saying, I bought your book, I've read your book, and my, now I'm making money, or I'm trading better, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I had no, one person awesome. saying, I used to look at you know, all the stocks on the market. Now I only look at the top 100, and I'm, and I'm making far more money, and it's taking me a lot less time That's from great. reading a $30 book. Like, mm. It's a no-brainer in my bits. Yeah. But anyway, that's it. From, that's my right. being on my high horse. Now, now it's time we get into the topic for tonight, which is top five dividend stocks for 2021. They may not be what you think. Now, the most common misconception held by investors looking for dividends is that what is needed is to simplify or to simply invest um, in the highest dividend paying stocks. Retail investors, that means a lot of people who might be watching this show, are largely unaware that there are hidden risks in this strategy and so often fail to achieve what they set out to. Now, selecting good dividend stocks is far more involved than just looking at the highest yield, as dividends are often paid to entice shareholders to hold stocks that are falling in value. Now, remember, you don't need a finance degree to select the best dividend stocks in 2021. You just need a little knowledge. And to help you, on your way, we'll share some insights in how to select good dividend stocks in the current market. There you go. Uh, well, I don't know about you, but it used to peep me off all the time when I'm doing live sessions and things and people say, I've got this stock, why? Because it pays a great dividend. And I was like, uh, you don't understand, do you? <laughs> we'll, we'll change your mind, hopefully. <laughs> but before we discuss how to select good dividend stocks, you will have heard us say that the most important thing you need to understand when investing in the market is your risk. Now, many investors ignore the risk to get dividend income, but is this wise? We don't believe it is. Why would someone risk 10, 20, 30% or more of their capital just to get a 2 to 5% mm. return? 
Well, I mean, the assumptions that investors make is that the dividend will provide a consistent income. Um, with bank interest so low right now, it is really attractive. But remember, dividends can be cut to zero or change at any time, which has occurred with many stocks. More recently, we saw this happen with the banks, which is something investors never ever thought would happen, nor did most people who buy and hold banks think their shares would fall 60% and be in decline over many, many years. So this is proof that no stock is immune. Mm. And just remember, you don't get something without risking something. So let's explore what's important to consider and the risks investors are taking uh, before we get into discussing how to select good dividend stocks. Mm. Mm. So look, I mean, that's yeah. a whole thought process, isn't it? You know, selecting the good dividend stocks. Well, yeah, I mean, how often? I mean, like for 10 years, people were saying, they, they, to me, they were going, oh, I'm holding Telstra. I go, why? Because it has a good dividend. I said, mm. so you've lost 30% in the last year to get 5%. That's really smart. Yeah, I know. Like, but I think people it's have It's like been, a duh situation. It's like, duh, what are you doing? Yeah, I think people have been brainwashed, mm. right, into thinking that they have to get dividends for income. It is, so but so we've people... tried to turn that on its head, haven't we, and say to people, well, you don't mm. have to just wait to get paid out a little bit of money um, each, mm. every six months or each quarter, depending on the stocks that you're buying. You can take that money out of the market whenever you like. Mm. Mm. So companies paying, so we saw that with the banks. But I haven't finished. Oh, sorry, I apologise. Ladies <laughs> first. <laughs> so, you know, it's all about um, selling the stock to yes. get a return and Correct. people don't want to crystallise you know, a capital gain mm. because they're worried about paying the tax. And you're always on about that. Mm. Um, so that's why I thought you'd jump on the bandwagon with me there. I will. I'd rather pay more tax. Instead. It's like, I don't know why people are afraid of paying tax. Mm. It's like the, the, the government's taking their money. But, but I look at it as the government have all these rules and laws around helping us invest more. So paying more tax is just our, our fee for being able to make more money. Because yep. we can we can negatively gear. You can't do that in some countries. We can negatively gear and make and leverage and make more money and claim all these tax deductions so that we can make more money. And I think mm. that's great. So pay more tax. Look, um, companies yeah. that are paying high dividends is yes. another topic yep. that came up as part of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I both have seen what's happened. We've seen situations where companies all of a sudden either have high dividends because the share price is it's falling. Fallen. Correct. And so the dividend yields all of a sudden change. People jump in thinking they're going to get a big dividend paycheck and then the company goes and makes an announcement they're not going to pay out that amount. Of course because they're not they going to. Because they haven't got any cash flow to do so. Yeah. But, because that's why their share price is falling. But nobody, no company board in their right mind is going to pay 8% if they're a big company and they don't have to. Mm. You know, They know that there's a certain amount of investors that are going to continue to hold the stock. A certain amount of funds are going to continue to have to hold them. Mm. So they're going to change it. And their job is to support the share price as mm. the board. They're trying to hold the share price and grow the share price. So therefore, if they can keep cash from going out in dividends and putting it to supporting the share price. And yeah, well, when act. the stock's falling, mm. that's the challenge, isn't mm. it? But then the investors could bail out because they're not getting the dividends that mm. they want. So that's the other thing. But the high mm. dividends often mean that the company is high risk as well. Yeah, now so you mentioned... So think about it. Why yeah. is someone giving you, you know, paying dividend. you to buy that share, essentially? Mm, they're paying you to take some risk. Mm. I think that's what it is. But but also you mentioned banks and you mentioned that companies, uh, they suspend or they suspend a dividend or stop paying a dividend at all. And you mentioned the banks. Yeah. Did you want to talk a bit about that? Well, look, we can. I mean, we can as we go through okay. this, if you like. Um, but I mean, in terms of the banks, you've raised mm. it. So, mm. you know, I guess people never thought in their wildest dreams that that would happen, did no, they? No, they wouldn't, especially the big mm. four. Mm. They wouldn't think that they would drop their they dividends. They would freeze it. But, and, you know, some yeah. stocks fro froze their dividend through mm. COVID. So, you know, if that that's the case, then investors can't rely on the, the interest in the bank and then all of a sudden they can't rely on the dividends from shares. And how many investors did you see that held bank shares from March, April 2015 for the last five or six years as, a, as the banks were falling away? Mm, they yeah. just kept holding them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they probably think, well, I'm just happy to get that dividend check coming in every so often and then mm. all of a sudden it stops. So that, that might have been the point that they were really worried about it. Yeah, but to me it's an either or. Would you rather lose as you said, see up to 60% on some of those banks, which some of them did, and more, all mm. of them fell over 30% in that time. Mm. All of them did. Would you rather get 5% or get 30% on your money? And I guarantee 100% of people say, I'd rather get 30% than 5%. Yeah. But that's what they're missing out on by not exiting stocks that are falling away mm. and they're holding them for a dividend where they could be getting in a stock that's going up 20 or 30% mm. and getting that. Well, just on that point, mm. what you've raised is share price direction. Correct. So they're purchasing stocks because apparently they have good dividends without looking at the direction the share price is going mm. in. So that's one of the really key aspects of actually selecting the best stocks to choose that are paying dividends. So mm. what's another one? 
Um, looking at the, where well, you can look at the ex-dividend dates and looking at what goes around those ex-dividend dates. So that's about that the risk. About? Yeah. Yeah, that's around the risk. Yeah. So sometimes people buy stocks and they think, okay, I'm going to buy the stock. It's got a good dividend. Mm. And then the share price drops when the stock goes ex-dividend. Mm. Now, in some cases, it's not the end of the world, but in some cases it can be part of an overall decline and just sends the stock down even further, mm. you know, as you, part of that continued Did you want to explain what ex-dividend actually means for people who don't understand? No, it? I think you can, because we had no. a bit of a discussion about this no, before. No, no. No, you're, better. you're better at you much more simple than I am. <laughs> Is that a backhanded compliment? I just zip my mouth zip right in. Yep. Basically, dividends are listed as come dividend uh, and ex-dividend dates, basically. One's before it's paid and the other one's after it's paid. So basically, there's a date where they pay the dividend and that's what Janine's talking about. It drops after that date yep. because you generally see a stock will rise up into the dividend because those people that own the stock are going to get that dividend paid to them, which in effect lowers their buy price. That's all what they're thinking of, all their acquisition price. But after that date, the dividend's already factored in and yep. you can't buy to get the dividend then after that date. Now, we're not necessarily yeah. going to go into detail about no. when that happens and why on the show tonight, but okay. it's more about them going away and being able to have a look yes. at their chart and see and observe what actually happens when a stock goes ex-dividend mm. to, the, to the share price. How far does it fall as a percentage on it the day important. from the prior close? And then what happens, you know, in the weeks and months after that? But that's a really good point. It's about, Pete, for those who are really keen, they really do need to learn about proper process for the stock selection, just not for dividends, but also in, in for their portfolios as well. And you need to invest in yourself. Um, and look, you know, Janine and I will keep banging on. You need to study one of our courses. You know, we cannot... You know, do this whole subject of dividend justice in the 10 minutes or so that we have on this show. And I'm, I'm sure you really do appreciate it because it's it really is such an important area. And I know a lot of people say to us, you know, on their emails, hey, I'm learning so much from your show. And, and we like we really are a scratcher ticket. We're just scratching the surface on a scratchy ticket. We're not the big prize. I beg your pardon. Well, well, it is. The stuff we talk about. If you're le somebody's learning a lot from this show, then there's so much more to learn because mm. it's like an iceberg. We're only giving them the yeah. tip of the iceberg and there's so much more underneath I'm happy that. with that analogy. You're okay, good, yeah. thank you. It's much better than that. To keep this really simple, firstly, let's take a look <laughs> at a list of dividend-paying stocks in Optima. We'll talk about how to select stocks as well as what to observe before making the decisions. And when you do the course, you'll receive the Optima software. So remember, while it's an amazing software package and one Dale and I have favoured for years and used it since we started, really, mm -hmm. didn't we? Um, we've, uh, what the software doesn't do, it doesn't think for you. Right? It can filter stocks and give you a list. It can show you charts and you can analyse them. So you've got to narrow down your mm -hmm. search as part of your own selection criteria. So that's the first thing you need to be thinking about uh, when you're looking to select stocks. Don't just select stocks because they're paying a good dividend. Oh, Go yeah. and really do your research. Think about what, what sort of portfolio am I trying to construct here and then do your analysis. All right, so let's get into a list and talk about how to select stocks that pay good dividends. And then we'll look at a couple of examples with you. So let's go into the Optima now and have a good look at that. So what have we got on here now? Yeah, now look, I mean, the first thing, mm -hmm. I think it's a bit small for a start. So how you about might I fix that while you that. keep talking? Yeah, but the first thing to do is mm -hmm. think about where are you going to select stocks in terms of the market. So you've got a, a huge list of stocks to choose from. And this can often be a bit overwhelming for people when they're attempting to select stocks for their portfolio, whether it's for dividends or di dividends and capital growth, and never think about just getting dividends. Yeah. So I've had people say to me, oh, look, I just mm. want income. You can get income in a, in a different way just by being able to buy and sell a few shares at a, in a periodic way and you don't have to do this short term. It's not day trading. You can do this on a monthly scale. You can be in stocks for 18 months, two years, sometimes longer, depending on the, the rules that you have on the shares that you're um, trading. Um, when you're looking at big stocks, you know that most of them are going to pay reasonable dividends. Mm. But because we've had some decent moves in the share price, of course, when the companies come around to reporting season, they're going to adjust the dividends. So Correct. These are reasonable figures that we're looking at right now. So you can see at the top of the list that Dale's got there, this is sorted according to the dividend yield. And it may not be exactly the same as what you might see on your own screen. It just depends on the data that you're looking at and the timing of when you're when mm. the data was snapshotted. So um, Rio here is showing you know, really good dividend. Mm. But the stock's been really extended in terms of its share price more, more recently. So if the market's paying an average of, of around 4%, you know, approximately, yep. then you know that if you're getting something around that 4% level, it's probably reasonable and it's probably reliable. 
Yes. So when we're talking about the best dividend paying stocks, we're talking about reliability, not the highest dividend return. Now, at the bottom of that list, you can see there that stocks that are typically more growth related stocks, like the CSLs, the Newcrest, which is a gold stock, um, even Westpac um, is down there at the moment. I'm not sure about that figure that's there at the moment. Woolies um, is, has got a reasonable um, return. But as we go higher on the list, and these figures will change as the share prices change, as I mentioned, then you know that the, these um, whether you get that return or not is going to be questionable. Now, I remember when mm -hmm. stocks like Woodside came out and they pumped their dividend up really strongly. This is what right before the mining sector crunched. Yep. Uh, in the in the years prior to when the mining sector crunched, so and often mining stocks will do that when they when the share price is falling to get divot, to get investors to take up the stock. And I'm not saying that was their strategy at the time, but mm. um, we've seen it happen time and time again. Stocks like Woodside, I really like. That's to me is um, a good opportunity. Now this is only the top 20 shares. I've got another couple of watch lists there, and I'll explain those in a minute. But if you had a portfolio and you were saying to yourself, "Well, I just want to stick to the big stocks, big liquid stocks on the market," and I'll choose from those. Now, in your book, you talk yes. about how people can use the top 20 stocks and make a return from the top 20 stocks on the market. Yeah, I do. To me, I mean, I, for me is. But what part of that mm -hmm. is the dividend? Because, you know, if you're able to make it, if, say, a West Farmers rises 10 to 15% in a given year, now it doesn't do that every year. Correct. But if it does that in particular years and you can make a decent return out of a West Farmers, then the dividend's really just not important, is it, in the scheme I, of things? I, it's, I treat the dividend yield as the bow on top of your present. Mm. The present is the stock. If it's not a good stock, then the dividend yield is completely irrelevant. But and why is it then we have this whole attitude of, as people get older, they want income because and they're being know, told to yeah. choose stocks to buy, to get a dividend? Because yield. the dividend's being paid twice a year. So it's something that they can push. So they can brokers can push it out saying, well, yeah, if you invest in this, you're going to get 4%. But even advisors are telling people that. Correct. But that's the point is they're, they're saying, don't focus on what the shares price is because then you're going to be focusing on whether your portfolio is growing or or falling. Focus mm. on the income that you're going to be getting onto that. And well, so, to me, Woodside is is a balance between a good growth stock and also mm. offering a return from from the dividend. So mm. that's that's one out of the five for me. Yeah. So Woodside's paying. Where is it? They're up there, three point nine six percent. So mm -hmm. that's what, and that's based on today's current price, basically. Yeah. From time to, we always have this on the watch list, yeah. and from time to time we purchase this for yeah. our clients. And then mm. West Farmers is another one. Like a stock mm. that you can't go past, it's a really good growth stock, but it has a good mm. dividend as well from time to time. And of course, you've got to go for a bank. Yes. Right. Macquarie is one that's always at the top of our but list. It's a good grant. It's a great growth great stock. Great growth stock, but it pays a dividend. So you know you're going to get a balance. Don't limit mm. yourself to thinking about the dividends, just the dividends only. And often these mm. shares have fully franked dividends. So check out whether the, they've got the franking or not, because that can, for retirees, that can obviously help push up the the return that they get overall, yep. but you know it's not the be all and end all. Mm. So therefore, we've got uh, Macquarie, we've got Woodside, we've got West Farmers. There's two more stocks. Would you yep. like to comment on something? No. Okay. Oh, do you want me to comment on something? I was just looking at what the criteria is. Mm. It's like to us, it's number one. You actually said a little bit earlier. It's direction first. Always go yeah. for direction. Are if they some, rising? Are they rising or falling? And the second thing. It's really it wrapped up in that. Is it a good stock? And I know we've said before, if you've had to use taxation to make something a good investment, then it's not a good investment. Correct. So, so to me, if it if you have to use a dividend to make a good investment, I put that in the same basket. So, yep. to me, the investment needs to stack up first. The direction of it and is it a good quality company and is it going to be heading in the right direction? That's the first thing. If you don't do that, then regardless of the dividend, you're not going to do a very good job. Yeah. So that's more what I'm talking about, and then. If you get the dividend, it's the bonus. It's the bow on top of the cake. Yeah, I mean, how would you like an mm. investment that someone says to you, I'm going to pay you 5% per annum, yeah. but I'm going to take money off your investment I'm just going to keep capital over out. time. Mm. And that's really what the, the industry want people to buy and hold 
stocks that they don't want, basically. Or it's just easier yeah. to manage clients to manage if they're just clients. doing that, isn't it? Correct, absolutely. And I see financial advisors do that all the time. And, and a lot of people do. And I'm not being rude to financial advisors. They no, like because to... they look at their client and think the person doesn't have the knowledge to be able to make the decisions. The same with brokers. The less I have but to talk to my clients, the better. Mm. You know, as long as they're, they're trading, the less I have to talk to them. So better. look, if you've got, you know, yeah. you want more bigger and liquid stocks, there's a list of stocks there that pay good dividends CBA, at great the top of the stocks, list. Generally. Yeah. Now we can also go to the 300 or the top 100. Yeah. So again, I've got it really small and I should have come and set, seen Dr. Dale before Dr. I Dale. Um, did this, but we've got a list of stocks here. Nice. Now there's some really good growth stocks in there. Now some of these dividends may not be... Um, Actually, yep, there we go. FMGs at the top still. Uh, we're looking down there. Things like the, some of the property stocks yeah. from time to time are really good to have because they pay dividends four times a year often. Yeah. Um, you have to look that up. But often they'll pay at least twice a year and they'll pay around the middle of the year. Yep. Um, they'll uh, pay a dividend. So you've got an interesting... We've got Texas and vicinity centres there. Yep. Yeah. So they're, they're interesting ones, but I wouldn't, I'd more and likely go, come down the GPT. list and go more to the market average. Don't be tempted to just sort of get something a bit higher. GPT has mm. been a great stock, but it's pulling back at the moment. I think mm. it will continue to be a great stock over time, but you've got Oops, other sorry. interesting stocks in there like, um, so GPT and Stockland and yep. um, not necessarily right now. You'd have to look at the charts to see when they're, start, when they're moving up, okay. but there's a few of those that are moving in the right direction. So... Okay. My um, thing, I guess part of the investing that we provide, we say stay away from insurance, pick some property, but right now property has been out of favour, but it's coming back, isn't it? Yeah, I know, probably just to help wrap this up a little bit is, I know when we say to people, would you prefer a growth portfolio, blue chip portfolio, 99% mm. of the time they go growth. So it's sort of the same sort of mentality. Would you like high dividend yield or low dividend yield? And they go high dividend yield mm. because they're thinking they're going to make more money. But it's not really. You're saying let's go for average dividend yield because it's sustainable. Yes. It's not a stock that's fallen away heavily and therefore the dividend yield's grown so much mm -hmm. because it's a downward trend. Correct. But it's also not a growth stock that doesn't pay a dividend. So if you yep. want a bit of a dividend in your portfolio and get that income, go for the middle of the road because they're generally likely to be gross growing mm. but sustainable in their dividend yield. So that's what you're talking about, isn't it? That's what I'm talking about. Mm. Like the big infrastructure stocks are often mm. good, but not right now because they've been pulling back. Okay. Once they get going, they will look good. So there's a timing thing to all this as well. Okay. So one of those big infrastructure stocks like a Sydney or um, TCL we like uh, mm. in particular, and that, but at the right time, right now it's not the right time. So that would be, I'd select one from a property okay. to make the fourth and one from one of those big infrastructure okay. stocks. All right, so in summary, always do your research, choose good quality companies with good earnings and have a process for, for selection to suit your portfolio. And above all, never buy a stock just for the dividend when you could be risking your capital. Now let's get into some more email, shall we? But before we do, remember to hit that subscribe button now. Whilst you're there, give us a big thumbs up. I'm not going to do the thumbs up thing. I will. And click on the like button. Okay, we've got a question from okay. Mikhail. Okay, we have a question from Mikhail who says, Hi Dale and Janine. I'm starting your diploma on Monday, which we were doing yesterday. Looking forward, I also have read Dale's books. Very informative. Could you have a look at Rio, please? Now it looks like the weekly chart trend line is broken and tested as well as a signal for entry. Well, that's interesting. He's using trend lines from my book. What Very do you good. Well done. So if we're looking at the stock, mm. we can see that it's actually pushing up uh, at the moment, but it's been, we've, I think we talked about the miners on the, yeah. the show recently and how that pullback um, has really broken the momentum of the big miners, mm. temporarily at least. So I would like to see what it does in the next mm. couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I can't see the trend line, right so now. I'm not sure where he's talking about the trend line, unless he's talking about one, one last year. But well, if he's um, talking about the trend, that, you know, for the stock, how it was pushing down here, that could be a that thought. That could be what he's talking about. Or it could about, be up here. You'll learn sure. a lot of rules, Mikhail, on trend lines. Like, you know, I've, this is the difference between what's in my book and the course. There's five rules of trend lines in our course, and... We actually write more words in the module for how to draw trend lines that are actually in the book. So all the distinctions. So whilst you've got an idea of how to draw a trend line in an easy way, 
um, we give you a lot more detail and a lot more depth to it. So, Well, um, that's all on that one for okay. now. Now we have a question from Nick. He yep. says, hi, Janine and Dale have purchased both of your books, but still have so many questions. Yeah, sometimes that brings you up more questions, doesn't it? You recommend buying the top 20 ASX stocks as popular ETFs that comprise mostly of the top 20 stocks based on size. How are the returns from individual stocks outperforming the ETF over the long term? Now, my understanding is that taking an active approach allows for you to sell any of these top 20 stocks should they reverse whereas this is not possible in the ETF am I correct in my assumption thanks again Nick got all that out <sighs> I'm getting hot I know I'm giving you the big ones you giving me the big ones you are correct you are very much correct because the ETF has all 20 stocks, but your portfolio only needs 8 to 12. So you don't need all 20 because in that top 20, you're going to find stocks that are going to go down. And I know Janine and I talked a little bit earlier uh, when we were talking about dividends is the big four banks were all going down for five and a half years or more. So you wouldn't have had those in your portfolio. And yet all of those are in the top 20. I think 11 stocks, yeah, 11 stocks in the top 20 are financial services. And there were some in insurance ones. So you wouldn't have been able to... Uh, you would have managed, you'll get a better return with 8 to 12 stocks in your portfolio of the top 20 than you would have had doing an e index ETF because, yes, you would have been able to buy and sell. I was going to see if you sunk or swam then, and you, and you definitely swam. I was, mate, I was doing the backstroke. You did well. Your <laughs> <laughs> life-saving came in handy, didn't it? Yeah, it reminds me of a joke, but yep. anyway. Okay, thank you very much for that question. And we have a question from Chris. Hi, Dale and Janine. Dale, after reading both your books, I've been attempting to draw trend lines. Could you both have a look at GNX and see my attached images of trend lines I've drawn on both the weekly and monthly charts? Uh, have I correctly drawn a downtrend line, which now looks to be broken? Additionally, the stock has a very high long-term debt. How do you factor that in when assessing fundamentals? Mm. I don't own the stock, but bought it on a proper game, uh, paper game at 19 cents in October, maybe a little too early as the broken trend line was not confirmed, Chris. All right. So, I mean, it just looks nice, doesn't it? But even it it's nice. a liquid as anything, but mm. from the, even the monthly chart looks like it's moving up nicely. Um, so he said he bought it at 19 cents down there. Not well, I sure can't see a trend line at all. So, um, um, it just depends where he's drawn his trend line and how well, he's drawn it. I can't see it. a trend line on anywhere through here to, because he said 19 cents Look, with, before the trend line was confirmed. There's no trend line down there. Yeah, I so. think I think when you're trying mm. to draw trend lines, like Dale mm. said before, there's so many little rules yeah. in trend lines, and people often just try to draw a line across, you know, the whole move down, and sometimes that's um, just totally incorrect. And also, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's incorrect because we don't actually have his chart here um, mm. to do a comparison and look at. But if we push. It depends what date he bought it at. Did he say it was October? Yeah, well, he said 19 cents roughly before the trend line was really confirmed. Well, there's no trend line down there. Yeah, all. so I don't know what he what he's... It was actually in a decline at the time. Yeah, it was, it was pushing decline, back so. down and it had gap right down at the time. So yeah, it was just high risk. But again, with trend lines... Unless you, he's done that on the yeah. monthly. Trend lines don't work as well on some of these really, really low cap stocks because it's about... Trend lines are momentum indicators. They measure how much momentum a stock has or hasn't got, basically, whether the momentum's up or down. And so looking at it on lower liquid stocks, they're going to be less accurate. There are other tools you could you be using, and it's always about square pegs for square holes. So whilst we teach you trend lines in my book, but I also teach it on monthly charts, and we bring trend lines down onto weekly charts through our courses and everything else. But the bigger the time frame being monthly charts, the easier it is to draw trend lines. There really are only two rules to draw a trend line on a monthly chart, which are in my book, and but I don't teach you anymore. you still got to have rules to, about when to actually go in. So mm. that's a separate issue, isn't Correct. it? It's drawing it, and then you've actually got to have the rule to get in. Yeah, it's the drawing it, confirming it, the trend line, and then confirming the entry into yeah. the stock, and you don't buy before you can turn the entry. But it's great you're paper trading it, so you are yeah, learning. So. Fantastic that he's but, having a go. Yeah, I think it's great. And um, thank you for putting that question in. Now we have an email from Graham who says, Hi, Dale. I was wondering what your medium term or 12 months outlook is on CPU or computer share. I've set my buy price at $15.31 with a stop loss at $13.85. It looks set to continue to rise nicely to around $18. The uptrend would be would be long confirmed by that point. I pause because perhaps now it is more risky a time to enter because we're probably going to 
see a slowdown or fall before the end of March in the ASX. Very well thought of question, isn't it? It is. And look, I think it's, I give him the reporting. gold star for today. <laughs> it's reporting season as well. Mm. And often you can get a bit of a surprise during reporting season. But at the moment, mm. it's just trading sideways, really. So until there's some direction, either up or down, then we won't really know. But sometimes the shares can pull back temporarily and yep. then start to push back up again when they have these sideways moves. But if it breaks up, I wouldn't um, disagree with him that it's heading towards $18. Yeah. If it breaks upwards, if it breaks downwards, it's not obviously heading towards $18. Yeah. Um, but, but it again, might just be part of an overall sideways He hasn't bought in, so his, his buy price is 15 I think he said 15.80 or something, so probably Did he say above. what his exit was? Um, his exit was $13 something, somewhere down around oh, about where my point his initial stop loss? His stop loss. But right. again, once you've entered, Graham, you need to reset your stop loss based on your entry price. So, you know, whatever. If you're using 15%, then it'll be 15% of your entry price. Oh, you're talking yeah. about as to where the rule triggers versus what the actual price you're able to buy the stock. Correct. I think most people would just be saying that you're talking about whatever they bought it on. Yes, you know, but so he hasn't bought it yet. So yeah. he's looking at, I'm assuming if he's looking at buying, I do like this at the moment. And as I said, if it goes up, I think you're right. It probably would go to $18. But All right. that's everything on um, CPU right now. Hi, Janine yeah. and Dale. And he's put your names in brackets. That's oh, funny. Because I'm special. <laughs> <laughs> I'm considering buying BXB Brambles and would appreciate your analysis. I think it may be turning from a long-term downtrend. My monthly entry would be triggered if it trades above 11.31. You've said that for the market to be bullish, industrials need to turn around. Could this be the start? That's what I'm hoping. Caleb, good on you, Caleb. Mm. All right. Um, so we're looking at brambles. I just think brambles looks a little bit iffy mm. from a long-term perspective. So let's just have a look at it here. It's tried so many times to break higher and it continues to have these big falls down. And so we've seen the one during COVID. Now there's a possibility if it goes through about 11.20 that it might rise for a while, but then it's a question of, well, how far is it going to rise? So it might be an opportunity for a good short-term trade if it does do that. But still, at the moment, the risk is to the downside, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. It sort of I'm not, when you said iffy, I thought that's exactly the word I was thinking. So maybe I'm very cyclic, cyclic, would it, psychic. <laughs> psychic. You know what I mean? Cyclic. I'm not your sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are according to Caleb because he put you in brackets. Well, yeah, that's because I needed to bracket. Sometimes you put me in inverted commas all the time, don't you? That sort of stuff. But anyway, I'm agreeing with you. I think it, right now it's probably, it's a bit iffy. Um, probably, if I if you said to me, well, is it going to go up or down, pick a direction, I'd say down. That would yeah. be, um, but I'm not. But what you're saying is, in a nutshell, because I can read your mind mm. too, is if it goes through this low here, then it's definitely going yeah. down. But that's the question, isn't it? A lot of people ask. It's like, mm. well, hang on, you, Dale, you said it was bearish. Well, I mean, well, that was what I'm seeing right now. But I have rules around if it goes up and rules if it goes down. And some people go, well, you take a two-way bet. And I go, well, you have to. Yeah, because if it goes up above a certain level, you then you're saying correct. that it, um, strategy A or hmm. or um, forecast A is coming hmm. up. But hmm. if it goes below Y, then all of a sudden the next or the opposite's yeah. going it's to occur. It's not driving a car where I'll control the steering wheel and accelerate and the brake. I, I, when the car moves, I've got to get on it or get off it, one of the two. It's a good thing you've been doing your exercises lately. I have. I'm losing weight. My shirts are getting I too know, big. I was going to say that. I, I used to be a 38, then I went to a 39. Now I think I'm going to a 32. Is getting well, that so way. we're going to see you shrink like a balloon. Know, is that it? Cool. <laughs> well, that's it for Brambles. Now let's get into our next question, which is from Gary, who says, Hi, Dale and Janine. Bought Vocus. Oh, I love Vocus. Um, around $4.10. And with the recent takeover news, I was very pleased to see the share rising above $5, though it closed slightly lower towards the end of the day. Do you foresee it continue to rise at least close above the takeover price of $5.50 per share or beyond? That was an interesting stock, wasn't it? Wasn't it? I don't know how many times I've analysed it for our students way back. But the liquidity, the problem with it is liquidity is quite different, isn't it, mm -hmm. uh, to what it was some time ago. And the ASX have rules, particularly with us, with the direct equity managed account service, mm. that we can only buy over two days now at an institutional level where we used to be able to trade over three. Yeah. Three. So, you know, that can be, present challenges for stocks like this. But this one, it's just gapped up on news. So you might not get the joy of being able to analyse it in future. Yeah, but it's it struggled. I mean, I know back through here I was doing 
some work with our traders and we were analysing this stock and we took a big trade through here with our students on the recordings that we do. We actually took two trades through here and got out. And this is when the other takeover bids, mm. there was like two or three takeover bids that failed and this is why it moved up and then fall away. Um, and then it moved up and fell but away. If again. you were talking to the board, mm. would you say to them that this is too opportunistic and to let it go? Correct. Mm. That's what I'd do. Vocus is a great company and... Jeez, I think it's worth more than this. I know. My favourite thing to really do, do is to talk about these stocks. And I think you should be talking about this one in mm. the media somewhere and just saying that you think it's worth more based on I analysis. It's, mm. Yeah, it's not about what's good for the directors, it's what's good for this company. And this company yeah. is, is a good company I've been watching for quite a long time. And, and as I said, we've made money out of this before a few times, but it's already gapped. So if you're not in it at the moment and if the takeover bid is at 550, there's only roughly 30 cents in that at the moment. Mm. So it's not likely to move too much more, but if you're in it already and the board say, no, we don't want to accept uh, mm. the deal. I haven't even looked at the deal, so I don't really know in essence what I'm talking about, what the, what the deal is, but I'm assuming 550 is based on the question. But if the board reject it, it's gonna fall out of bed, back, go back down to, you know, around to that sort of $4 sort of again. Temporarily. That, temporarily, but um, it keeps hovering around that sort of three, $4. So, but right now, let's see what happens and maybe we can follow it in a few weeks time and see what's going on with it. Yep, okay. all right. We have a question from Jason. Hi guys, loving the show and the podcast. Thank you for that. Wondering if you can give some insight into the relation to bond Ooh. yield rises causing stock market sell-offs. Seem to be hearing a lot about it lately, says Jason. Mm -hmm. So look, the bond market's an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah, I've had a few questions lately about the bond market, which means it's in the media. Mm. Um, and generally when I start getting questions on YouTube or the emails coming in, it's this news going out there about something, whether it was GameStop last week or whatever yeah. it is, or um, and I've had a few questions around the bond market. And the Doesn't bond that market, mean that the big end of town are trying to push it though? Well, the bond market's really important. The bond market is much bigger than the actual share market or the stock markets. And the bond market or the cash market, I'll probably put a big umbrella, mm. the cash market is, trades like the stock market. And it's about the risk-free rate of return. And if the big end of town, and I'm talking about the big, big trillions of dollars investors, if they can get a guaranteed return of X, why would they have their money at risk in a stock market when they can get this, which is capital guaranteed or risk-free uh, in terms of it? So when bond yields are going up, and it's, it's about the difference between short, medium and long-term bond yields. So short-term bond yields tend to be a little bit higher than the longer term ones because obviously it's very close to the the, the expiry date of those bonds. So, um, but looking at the relationship between the short, medium, and long term bond yields can help you understand where the big end of town think the market's going to go. And I think that's why it's really important. And you can get into a whole lot of economic arguments about it all. And I've sat there with bankers, high up CEO bankers, and they've just spun the head off my shoulders so many times. It's not funny talking about the bond market and the cash market. And I'm going. Holy moly, it's really a complex area. So how do we bring it down for investors? That's the Look, question. I think it's, it's like anything. You've got to do your research mm. for, for one. And you've got to be thinking about, well, does this really concern me? One of the signs it can be is that it's all about the money flow. So money could flow out of the stock market. Correct. Into bonds. Into bonds. But it's huge in the US, much Correct. more so than here. Mm. So mm. if it's going to have an effect, it's going to have more of an effect on the US market, in my opinion, than anywhere else. Mm. But with stimulus packages, et cetera, mm. it's going to go to the stock market. So if the $1.9 trillion stimulus package and all gets done, thing. That's the it's going to go to the stock market. Mm. So, And I'm thinking the bond yields at the moment with the big end of town are the long-term ones are suggesting the economic growth will be there in the mm -hmm. stock market. That's yep. what I'm thinking. On the surface, uh, I may be proven wrong, but that's what I'm thinking at the moment. Yeah, I think so. Right. I don't think you're really too worried about it. But anyway, the next question we have is we've got a lot of questions tonight. The next one we've got is from Kevin, who says, Hi, Dale and Janine. My question is about A2 Milk and your thoughts. It closed at $10.23 on the 8th of February, has a yearly low of $9.93 and a high of $20.05. And I'm interested in purchasing the stock. But I see a lot of their long-term management resigning and the company's heavy reliance on China. Now, it doesn't seem to be pushing back and getting resistance to break above $11. Would love to hear your analysis. Generally, when the doom and doom and doom is so big, yeah, that means buy, that's buy, close, buy. Well, it's close to the bottom anyway. It's close to the bottom. Like some, mm. like we, I remember when Aristocrat, 
they had no border, no CEO and everything else, and they were such a low price, and then they went up three or four hundred percent the next 12, 18 months. Yeah. It was just, mm. like Buffett says, buying doom, selling boom. Not saying that, haven't looked at the chart. What's your thoughts? Well, look, I'll looking at up. this one, we, we're at really important level on the stock right now. Mm. So we could see I'll it start them. to move up from there. Um, well, you can show them if you well, like. Well, you can put your finger on the mouse. You're allowed to. Jeez, I'm allowed to. Not... Yeah, I've got to put the crosshair on, and you mm. don't like me doing that. All right, so look, right now we can see there's a low here, which is likely to provide a bit of resistance. And there's previous um, resistance across here in August 2018. Mm -hmm. But it's found support from this move here. So it's mm -hmm. actually, it could go down a little bit more just to test that support. And at the moment, we're not seeing any evidence of it going up. So that's what we've got to wait for. What Dale was saying before about waiting to see the direction. If it goes up, then we have a theory about how high it might be, be able to um, run to. If it keeps falling, we know where it's more likely to fall to if it does. And look, if it does keep falling below this level that I'm marking around 950, then it could head all the way to between at least seven or eight dollars, which we don't want to see it happen, but it's always a possibility. Mm. If it starts heading up strongly above 11 dollars, we could see it go the other way. Yeah, I think what we need to ex say to people is Janine and I have stocks that we own and we have a watch list. And our watch list gets filtered all the time between what we're going to buy, maybe buy in the next month or two months, what we may be buying in the next three to six months. Um, and we filter those. And so, and some of the stocks we're thinking about buying in the next month, we just take them off because they don't do what we might want them to do to confirm that they're going up. This one's on my watch list for me personally, but I don't have it on, I'm going to buy it in the next month. It may be two or three months down the track. It may be never, well, maybe not be never, but maybe a not for 12 or 18 months, but it's giving me a lot of interest right now, enough to watch it. I'm not saying buy this stock, I'm just saying we need to just keep we an eye on it. We definitely need to keep an eye it's on it. It's interesting right now. So, mm. But anyway, that's it for our take on A2 Milk. So Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of the oh, show bugger. tonight, and we hope that you've enjoyed the show, and we look forward to bringing you all of the hot topics related to trading and the market this year. Feel free to make suggestions on future topics, please, because that'll get um, him off my case. Mm. We thank you for participating. And remember, if you need any support and have questions about our courses, don't let your questions go unanswered. You can call our office on 1300 858 272 or email us at info at wealthwithin.com.au. And people will look after you. <laughs> also remember to hit that subscribe button and like the video please stick your thumbs up video and be sure to put this show on your calendar for next week as we'll be right here on youtube live every single tuesday 7 to 8 p.m now if you if you'd like to have your question answered on the show either send your question in an email to info at wealthwithin.com.au type wealth within live in the subject line now you must do this before 3 p.m. on Tuesdays to get into that night show or really beg strongly. And if you have a topic that you would like us to discuss, send in your ideas and we'll have a look at the, your, up, uh, your requests for upcoming shows. Yeah. We're always doing that, aren't we? Chocolate Wim? and bourbon works really, really well. <laughs> Chocolate for bourbon Do you like for me. bourbon? Okay. Yeah, yeah. As Make always, mark, isn't it? <laughs> cool. As always, thanks for joining us and we hope you have another fantastic week. We look forward to having you joining us again next week for our show. But for now, goodbye, good luck and good trading. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.